This is Your Kind of Happy Podcast, a place where you can visit to hear discussion on inspiring perspectives from philosophy to psychology to religion and pop culture. I'm your host, Matthew McKeithen, and together we'll explore ideas and perspectives in order to evaluate their worth so we can apply them to lead more happy and fulfilling lives. Let's find your kind of happy. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about how to actually stop negative thoughts and replace them with positive ones. Now, if you're like me, you've heard the techniques from CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy before, where the therapist might say, hey, I want you to catch yourself thinking of these negative thoughts. Notice when you're thinking of them. That's kind of like mindfulness. And then what I want you to do is challenge these negative thoughts, you know, get some perspective. You know, what evidence do I have that this negative thought is actually true? Is it based off of opinion or is it fact? Usually it's opinion. And then when you do that, you replace it. Replace it with something that's more serving to you, that's more effective to you. And so that type of advice is really solid and I love it. But it doesn't seem too awful practical, at least for me. So when I have a negative thought, for example... Like, oh, shoot, I was supposed to put the clothes in the the dryer today. Oh, my gosh. You know, like for this happened to me last night, for example. Like I was supposed to put my my son wet his bed. He's five. And so he wet his bed and I was supposed to put the wash in the dryer to be done in time for him to get into the bed with his, you know, sheets and all that being clean and, and all of that. Um, so did I do that? No, I forgot. And immediately I jump into, you know, what if something's wrong with me? Why do I keep forgetting things so easily? You know, my mom's really forgetful too. She might be, and my grandfather died from Alzheimer's. Is this a symptom of early Alzheimer's? Is, and, and my mind goes down this rabbit hole of thinking these negative things. And none of that serves me in any way. In fact, it only deteriorates my quality of life and my mindset. And so the technique that CBT would be saying is, well, do I have any evidence that there's something wrong with me? Well, I forgot something. Oh, but don't people forget things all the time? That's really just opinion. And I'm making a huge leap into the genetic likelihood that I'm going to get Alzheimer's. And this is evidence of that. But that doesn't serve me in any way. And I don't have any facts to back that up. So what serves me better is getting into this adult ego state instead of this fearful child ego state. And that might look something like this, like, hey, it's okay. There's other sets of sheets that we have and he can have those. Just because you forgot something doesn't mean that you're getting early symptoms of Alzheimer's. That's a huge leap. We don't want to doom forecast everything and it doesn't serve me in any way. In fact, you've been really, really busy today and you've hit all these other areas that you were supposed to hit and all these other tasks have been met. Your kids are fed. Your wife and your children have had your undivided attention several periods of the day. You've played with your kids. You did all your work today. You've actually been doing really, really well today. And so that might be what we ideally would want to do. And the problem is, is it's really hard to get us into that mindset. Um, and to to get to a place where we do that kind of second nature without even really thinking about it. So today I want to give you some pointers and some different perspectives and ways of looking at your negative thoughts, which can help you kind of pry away the grip that fear has over them. 
So your negative thoughts, they really, it's almost like an entity, you know, like a, like a, you know, some kind of malevolent force that really just wants you to be sick and lazy and tired and weak and powerless. And if you allow your thoughts to take over, they will, you know, they're ruled at the core by fear, which is always driving you to feel insecure and inadequate about yourself. But here is the little secret. Fear is like the Wizard of Oz, right? All great and powerful, but it's just smoke and mirrors. When you realize that there's a weakling behind it pulling all the levers, the fear evaporates. So here are some practical things. I'm going to give you four steps that you can actually do um, to start applying the CBT technique and overcoming these thoughts and replacing them. You know, we want to know here from this article of how replacing negative thoughts with positive ones actually works. So number one, you call them out by their name. Every negative thought has a name. And the name might come in the form of negative thinker, polarized thinker, labeler, blamer, powerlessness. So there are all these types of cognitive distortions that come from our negative thoughts. So, for example, uh, me thinking that, you know, forgetting to put the laundry in the dryer was evident somehow that I might be having early onsets of Alzheimer's at 40 years old. That's really just getting into the mindset of negativistic thinking. And I would even venture to say doom forecasting. And so we can, you can look online, you could type in Google and look up um, different types of cognitive distortions. And there's some pretty common ones. And part of the power that comes from naming the thoughts is that the second that you actually start naming a thought, you take away its power because you're no longer in your thinking mind. You're in the observing mind. You started noticing it auto- automatically. And so I like to think of these um, negative thoughts like ants, you know, like automatic negative thoughts, ants, and there's different species of ants. So here's some of the species of cognitive distortions of the types of ants that we can have floating around in our head. The entitled thinker, okay? These thinkers believe that they should be treated better and owed things, right? Irrespective of if it's rational or not. The perfectionist, things have to be this way. It's got to be perfect. Negativistic thinking, right? Oh, well, this this is, well, I'll just say this is Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, or if you've ever seen Inside Out, my kids love that movie, um, Sadness. Okay. Labelers, you know, I'm so unreliable. I'm really actually selfish. Gosh, I'm so stupid. Right. Always right. Righties need to portray and prove that what they say and do is correct. Like I have to be right. Do you always have to be right? Ask yourself. What about all about mirrors? You know, just thinking that you're the center of the universe, right? Having a thought that's just so egocentric that probably drives other people crazy if you blurted it out powerlessness. I can't do anything about this. You know, what about victims? Powerlessness, people are often victims, you know, like this, things always keep happening to me, right? Uh, Black and white thinkers or polarized thinking, right? Polarized thoughts. They can be, you know, no one likes me. This is ridiculous. Like every time I go to a social event, everyone stares at me. Is that probably right? No, it's not. And then blamers, associating blame to someone else. So these thoughts, they come in our mind. And if we don't learn to name these and identify them and call them what they are, they're going to remain to have power in our minds and take over. And so we have to call them out by their name because you are not your thoughts. You are the observer. 
You are the chooser and you are the experiencer. So let that sink in for a little bit. You are not your thoughts. So if you don't learn to observe and choose what you do with your thoughts, your thoughts will continue trying to convince you that they are you. But they are just too unpredictable and changeable to actually reflect who we are. Don't believe me? Try this. Think about when you were eight years old. What kind of things did you think about? You know? Were your thoughts different? How about the people that you were around? Were they different? At least did they look different? Probably. How about your surroundings? Were your surroundings different? Absolutely. And then what about your physical body? Was it different than it is today? Yes. Yes. And more. Yes. So your physical body completely changes. Every cell in your body has been replaced since then. You're literally not the same person. Like think, I think bones actually, they take about seven years to cycle through all the cells because the cells metabolize and they go through the process of mitosis at a slower rate. Uh, but they, but literally after seven years, you don't have the same cells in your entire body. You know, your skin cells are a couple of weeks, so they, they cycle through a lot faster, but that's neither here nor there. You are still you, right? Yeah, of course you were you. Well, how did you know that you were you? Because, you know, you, you thought differently. The people around you were differently. The environment was, was different. And you literally are not the same person physically. So how? Because you observed and experienced you. Boom. This is what some of the Zen masters and some of the Buddhist mindset thinkers would say when who am I is answering the, asking the question, like, who am I? You are who St. Thomas Aquinas would say that you are who you are looking from. Who you are is not a decision. Like the Western mindset might say that you have your actual self and your ideal self to them. The actual self is, it comes to a realization, like an awakening up to like, I am who I am. And I realize who I am versus I make myself into something else. You're not your experiences. You're not. Well, we'll save that for another podcast. But basically, you're with me on this, right? Like you are the experiencer and the observer. That's who you are. The thing about you that doesn't change regardless of your environment, your circumstances, what you're thinking about. So we know that your thoughts are way too changeable to be a reflection of who you are actually. So you have to pull yourself out of it. You're not actually your thoughts. Okay. So now you're with me on this. Let's continue. Now, number two, imagine your thoughts are like end caps of a shoelace, right? Stay with me on this one. Okay. So if I have, if I have a shoelace and the shoelace is frayed on the end, on the end of the shoe, that's probably because I don't have a little end cap. You know, the little unsung heroes on your shoelaces, these little small protectors that keep chaos and shoelace fray at bay. So similarly, we need mental end caps because let's face it, negative thoughts are often quite stubborn. They're sticky. They stay around. But you ever notice that the positive thoughts that kind of evaporate a little bit more. So in his book, um, in the book, Chatter, by Kale, what's the guy's name? Ethan Cross. So Ethan Cross wrote this book called Chatter. And it's, you know, the voice in our head, why it matters and how to harness it. And so there was one study that I loved in that book conducted in New York Central Park, where involved a research method called the experience sampling technique. And this study aimed to investigate the impact of negative thoughts and self-talk on people's well-being and mental health. 
So the study involved participants carrying out, carrying these uh, devices that, you know, prompted them at various times throughout the day to report on their current thoughts. It's like a microphone and, you know, a tape reel. And throughout the day, it would, it would vibrate and they would, you know, it, they would record what they were actually thinking about in real time, almost like free association. You know, they would t- record their activities, the emotions and the inner workings of their mind. And the participants were asked to describe where they were and what they were doing and to rate their current mood. So the key finding of the study was related to the content of the participants' thoughts. The studies found that when individuals' minds wandered and their thoughts turned negative, it had a significant impact on their reported happiness and well-being. In particular, when people's thoughts became self-critical or negative, it correlated with lower levels of happiness and life satisfaction. So we noticed that there were, there were two groups. There was one group that had these negative thoughts and they just kept going on loop on loop. I remember one in particular was like the guy was saying, uh, I can't believe she just, she just ghosted me like that. She just left me. Why would she leave me? You know, she said that she was thinking about moving away, but I never thought she would just do it. And then for her to pack up all her stuff and leave, like, I can't believe this. Like, why did she do this? What, what did I do to deserve that? And he couldn't stop. He went over and over and over and over. But then you would have the other group that would have similar experiences. Like, I can't believe she broke up with me. I'm just, I'm so blindsided. I can't, I, I just, I didn't see that coming. You know, I didn't see that coming. But at the end of the day, you know, I knew things didn't feel totally right. You know, maybe I should have listened to the signals more. You know what? Next time, I think I'm going to pay more better attention. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I still like me. And I'm a good guy. There's going to be someone out there for me. Well, I guess things are going to suck for a little while. But at the end of the day, I've been through this before. I'll get through it. I'm going to call Jim. He's always fun to talk to. So that person didn't let that thought continue over and over and over. So think about this. If negative thoughts are sticky, then we need to put an end cap on it. So it's the, if, the, if the positive thoughts don't stick and they kind of evaporate quickly, by pairing a negative thought with a positive thought and, and putting an end cap to, call, to keep it from fraying like the ends of our shoelaces, the, the negative thought will finally have something to carry it away and evaporate. So the Central Park study serves as an example of how everyday thoughts and self-talk can influence our emotional well-being and our overall satisfaction of life. Negative thoughts can be like unwanted guests at a party. They arrive uninvited and linger even after the event is over. Positive thoughts, however, often exit quietly just as we start enjoying their company. So why the asymmetry Well, in their stay? Well, let's dig into this conundrum a little bit more, shall we? So back in the caveman times, a negative thought was like a survival instinct. Imagine you're that caveman or woman, and you spot a saber-toothed tiger in the shadows. Your brain would send out alarms, you know, negative thought alert, negative thought alert. And your survival depended on analyzing every single angle of that threat. Is it hungry? Is it stalking? How far away is it? What's the distance? What's the closest path to get out of here? Do I have any weapons? Sticky negativity could save your life at that point. But fast forward to now, right? No more lurking tigers, but our brains still do their ancient dance. 
Our body reacts similar to a modern stressor like the anxiety of a presentation as it would a, a prehistoric predator. It's like dialing 911 for a paper cut, a major response for a minor issue. So this point reminds me of one of Mark Twain's. I love this quote. It's one of my, it's probably, yeah, it's one of my favorites, but it goes something like this. I've suffered a lot of things in my life, some of which actually happened, right? And so our minds often wage bigger battles than reality demands. Suffering in this case is the mind's twist on pain, not its literal twin as Lord Byron so proposed. So the fix, what is it? Well, number three, recognize the negative loop. It's simple, right? In today's complex world, simplicity is the hard part. With this technique, you have the key to most mental health issues. Simply do this. Start noticing the moment that you begin to feel discomfortable. Uh, Did I just say discomfortable? Let's just edit that later. All right, well, whatever. I'll leave it in. Begin to feel discomfort. The moment that you forget, begin to feel discomfort. So this could be any form of discomfort. It doesn't matter. A feeling, a thought, temperature outside, negative weather, gas, tired, ang- angry, lonely, you know, whatever it might be, and so on and on. So when you gain the ability to notice the moment that you're uncomfortable, you've literally almost won. So Rollo May, the famous psychologist, once said in his book, Freedom of Destiny, that in between the stimulus and our response is space. And in that space is our power to choose. Think of it like a traffic light, right? So if you're going steady and you ignore a yellow light and keep going until it's too late and turns red, you can get yourself into trouble really quick, right? Something could be turned deadly. In the same way, we need to notice when our body's yellow light has flickered on. You know, a warning light on your car dash is there for a reason, right? It tells you that you need to service your vehicle. So for you, you have to service yourself when you notice your yellow light of emotion flickering on. So here's a, here's a good trick. And I use this from this book um, called The Dialectical Behavioral Therapy Workbook. It's by McKay and Wood and Brantley, if you ever want to pick it up. Uh, I'll put the link in the description too. So when you get a negative thought or experience a sensation of discomfort, think of the word REST, which is an acronym. The acronym is R, relax. Take some breaths, create some space, right? Create a little space from what just happened. That might just be a simple inhale, exhale. (sighs) Creating some space. Could be some literal space, like walking away, stepping out two steps, whatever you have to do. Create some space. I like to do the five by five breath, which is uh, breathe in for five, hold for five, breathe out for five, hold for five. Do that five times. But if you can, sometimes just take one breath, you know, just create a little space. And then E... And rest is evaluate. Am I in any danger? Is anyone else in danger? Just do a quick like assessment of the situation. You don't need to figure it all out right then. But, you know, what is happening right now? You know, it could be a sensation like, you know, I'm getting some tightness in my chest. I can't, I'm noticing I'm getting some tightness in my chest, you know. Or I'm, I'm noticing just I'm so frustrated right now. And it, you know, it, just evaluate what's happening. And then set an intention. And this is where you apply a technique, right? Do I need to take a break? Do I need to take a walk, right? Do I need to talk to someone? Do I need to think on it some more? Do I need to do some breath work? You know, do I need to go tinker in the garage for a little while or do some dishes, you know? Set an attention. 
That's where it's really important to know yourself, what works for you and what techniques help. But do something that allows you to have some space to clarify what's going on. And then T, take action. So rest is relax, evaluate, set an intention, and take an action. All we're trying to do is create, notice when we're uncomfortable, you know, that yellow light when it flickers on, just notice it. Okay, I'm, I'm just uncomfortable right now. When you, notice, when you first notice you're uncomfortable, you're not in the red zone yet. Okay, that's when it's important to do this rest strategy. Number four, talk back to the thoughts. So talking back to those negative thoughts, like applying a positive end cap to them, is the best way to watch them fade away. But there's more. It's, 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 it's not so much like talking back to them. It's the tone. It's how we talk to ourselves. In transactional analysis, which is a, a love this psychological theory, we have three ego states. We have the child, the parent, and the adult. So let's probe into these just a little bit. This might really help you. I, I usually recommend this a lot with like couples counseling and couples therapy about how they talk to each other and what ego state they're in. And it really helps. But it also helps individually with us naming the ego state of our current thought. So our, let's start with the child. Like our inner child may start to cause us to worry and doubt, becoming fearful and self-defeating, fearing the unknown you know, like a trepidatious child. Imagine talking to yourself as if you were a nurturing parent, right? Providing guidance and reassurance. You know, you've got this, you know, offering a, uh, you know, virtual pat on the back. But beware, the parent no- mode can also be, you know, overly critical. The inner nag that chips away at our confidence. You know, you should be doing this by now. Why can't you do this? You have to get something right, you know. But then there's the adult mode, right? Composed, experienced, assertive, and in control of the situation. Picture meeting a friend who, you know, keeps their cool when life tosses them curveballs. You know, your inner Yoda, calm, wise, fact checker. Identify with your inner adult ego. The inner adult ego has no problem talking back to the negative thoughts. It knows it's not the negative thoughts. So we can realize at any given moment we're in one of these three ego states, you know, and they're not all bad. Like there's the encouraging parent, you know, and there's the, uh, but there's also that, you know, that critical parent and we're often that, or, you know, when we're scared or fearful, fearful or powerless, right. We're in that child ego state, but not all child ego, ego states are bad, right? That's where we get a lot of our childhood energy from and our, our zest for life and our brightness inside of us. And, um, so we don't want to kill that totally. Right. Uh, but we want to identify, where we're at, and then we want to try to merge into that adult ego state, the adult, the rational fact checker, you know, calm thinker. So remember, you know, your thoughts are like the wind. You know, this is a great metaphor that Jesus said uh, to uh, Nicodemus when he was talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, the Holy Spirit is like the wind. No one knows where it's come from or where it's going, but we can recognize its effects. And I think of thoughts like that, right? No one knows where thoughts come from or where they go, but we can recognize their effects. So we need to be careful in how we respond to those effects, the response, right? Not what we think about. We can't really control that, but we can control our response and then we can plant our thoughts. So we need to be careful with how we respond to those effects, our feelings, you know, whatever it might be, and not let them take over. Besides, fear as Stephen Pressfield puts it in his book, you know, The War of Art, um, 
Fear is a river a mile wide, but just an inch deep. So as you navigate life's roads, remember, thoughts are tricky, but the wheel to steering them is within your reach. If you can't push through illusion that you are, if you can't push through the illusion that you are your thoughts, you know, embrace the end caps. Life's too short for an endless tango between self-doubt and fear. So here's a parting thought. The only limits you have are the limits you believe. Wayne Dreyer said that. Believe in transforming thoughts. You are the author, so write your script. Get those end caps. Thoughts as a guide, a world to conquer.